Welcome to the Sober and Happy Podcast, where we talk about all things recovery-related, how to navigate the challenges that we'll face along the way on our journey towards our best lives, and how we could go from living a life of simply just being sober to a life where we're both sober and happy. Recovery from any addiction can be incredibly overwhelming to the point that we will often question whether we can make it through those periods where it seems like it's just too much. But when you know the type of things to expect and why those emotions can be so difficult to process helps through this process. Today, we'll talk about some of the most common sources of being overwhelmed in recovery and the steps we can take to work through them. So buckle up. This is going to be a great episode. I remember the time I felt the feeling of it just being too much, clearly. I went to a rehab across the country and I just graduated. We were in a transport van that was taking us to drop us off at the airport, and I realized for the first time since I had stepped foot into rehab, I was going to be around alcohol unsupervised. I was full of emotions that I had no idea how to deal with. I had a fear of facing people back home that I knew I had hurt by my drinking. I was completely overwhelmed by the financial wreck my life was at that point. I was scared about potential legal problems I might be facing since I hadn't filed taxes in over a decade, and I knew I had at least one failure to appear in a state I wasn't even living in anymore. I was also very confused about what my new life was going to look like. What about all my old friends I drank with? Was I going to be able to ever have fun again? What about all those things I know I enjoy doing that always include a beer in my hand? Would I still be able to enjoy those things sober? My life revolved around drinking, so who even am I anymore sober? And the biggest one was the fact every time I would feel completely overwhelmed, my first thought was still that a drink would make this better. Would I always struggle this way? And if so, is a life filled with that kind of constant struggle even worth it? I got to the airport, put my head down, and walked to my gate desperately trying to ignore each airport lounge I walked by on the way to catch my plane. Luckily, I survived my first real temptations. Even luckier, I learned that a sober life is not one where I'd be constantly tempted and overwhelmed. At some point, sober just became my normal life. And that person I wondered who I would be when I got sober, I ended up being someone I love, respect, and am proud of. Today, I will share my realizations along the way about things that overwhelm me and how I was able to grow by walking through them. I think the first and most overwhelming part of getting sober is that we have to really start to feel our emotions. If I looked at all the perceived benefits I got from alcohol, they all revolved around a desperate attempt to not feel or deal with some tough emotions. There were the deep emotions that were caused by trauma that I knew I was trying to avoid. There was also guilt and shame that came with the consequences of my drinking. But even things I used to say about my drinking like, it helps me socialize, and I'm better at talking to girls drunk, or it is how I have fun, really are also about not feeling emotions. I was trying to mask my social anxiety, my fears of rejection, and my inability to realize I could have fun just being myself. As I thought of a way to explain this process best, I thought of the following analogy. Imagine you're in a cabin in Alaska in the dead of winter. You have a fireplace going, so although it's still a little chilly, it helps. When you have to go outside, you have to bundle up in several layers of warm clothes. 
It helps some, but it doesn't change the fact that we're in a place that is bone-chilling cold. Alcohol is that fireplace and layers of clothing, and the cold weather is the feelings that we're trying to avoid. We think it is keeping us safe, but eventually the firewood is going to run out, and you'll have to wear all those layers of clothes even inside the cabin. Now, if you're the type of alcoholic like me, when the firewood runs out, you might have the genius revelation that the cabin is made of wood, and we could use that to keep the fire going only to one day realize I'm now standing outside in the wilderness around the fireplace because I burned the cabin down one piece of wood at a time just to try to keep that fire going. Life is not completely hopeless in this analogy, though. A couple of hundred yards away, there's a plane with a pilot inside of it that will fly you to San Diego where the weather is almost always beautiful year-round. But to get to that plane, you have to step out of the warmth of the cabin, shed the layers of clothing, and walk through the cold to board that plane. The destination will be beautiful, but you have to face the cold you've been trying so hard to avoid to get there. This is where we often hesitate. We tell ourselves we love the idea of staying in a cabin in Alaska, and when we moved here in the summer, it wasn't that bad. And if we stick it out, hopefully soon the summer will return, and this time it might stay and we won't have to endure winter again. Even if we hate the cold, living in Alaska and constantly dream of living somewhere warmer, as we walk through the cold towards that plane, we start questioning whether we really want to go to San Diego. Thoughts like, I have spent so much money already on these warm clothes. Do I really want to live in California? Everybody knows me as the Alaskan wilderness guy now. What will they think of me if I move to San Diego? These are all the fears, insecurities, doubts, shame, and embarrassment that we try so hard to avoid showing up. This will happen at even the consideration of quitting drinking, and they definitely show up in force the moment we step outside that cabin door and the cold air hits us. Most people's initial reaction when they step out that door is, nope, going back into the cabin. But if you do that, you'll always be stuck in a cold place you do not want to be in. The wilderness is tough. It can be bone-chilling cold and even an occasional polar bear might pop out and chase you. You'll reminisce about the first summer in that cabin and how beautiful it was and thoughts of returning to it and trying to tough it out until it hopefully returns will try to convince you to stop walking to that plane. But if you weather through that walk, you could get to a place that could give you the permanent warmth you've always desired. But there are no shortcuts to getting there. There is no detour where the path is warmer. My therapist always tells me, the only way is through and not around. And at some point, we must choose to process these emotions we've been trying to avoid. In doing that, though, we'll find that we start to learn, grow, and heal. We start finding ourselves again. We begin to forgive both the people that have harmed us and also ourselves. The thoughts and emotions that have controlled us most of our lives begin to start having less and less power and no longer dominate our days. When we face the difficult situations we have spent a lifetime trying to avoid, we start becoming the person we have always wondered if we are capable of being. That becomes our new identity. This brings us to the next topic that I found was completely overwhelming, which is a huge identity shift that comes with being sober and how much we often try to resist it. I got sober when I was 34, and I was drunk my entire adult life up to that point. Everything in my identity was tied to drinking. There was this one country song by Jason Aldean that played on the radio all the time when I was first sober, where the chorus says, I'm chilling on the dirt road, laid back swerving like George Jones, smoke rolling out the window, an ice-cold beer sitting in the console. 
Every time I would hear that song, I would think, I will never be able to experience a moment like that again. I'd be sad with that thought because that is who I was, and I thought there is no way things like loading up my truck, driving through the wilderness, and going camping would be possible without alcohol. I felt I was losing a piece of me that I would never be able to get back. I was overwhelmed with many thoughts like this as I wrestled with the thought of who I was. What I found, though, is much of my past identity that I romanticized actually wasn't something I was looking at in totality. For example, in that song I just mentioned, the only part I would be removing from the chorus was drinking and driving, or as he put it, swerving on a dirt road. I asked myself why I was so attached to that part of the experience. Is driving with an open container really a part of my identity that I want to try so hard to hold on to? That one question got the ball rolling towards taking a deeper look at the identity as a whole and not just the good parts that I wish only came with my drinking. Yes, I initially would be more awkward in social situations. Asking out a girl was definitely going to be harder without the liquid courage. It seemed impossible that I'd ever be able to do something like getting up and singing karaoke again. But what other parts of my identity around alcohol was I going to be able to shed now? Being unreliable. Letting people down. Always watching the rearview mirror for cops when I was drinking and driving. Not being someone that can be counted on. Embarrassing myself and others. And hurting the people who loved me and had to suffer through watching me drink myself to death. That is a part of the identity that I was shedding too. After looking at my identity as a drinker as a whole, and no longer just the pieces I thought I would miss, I realized that was a trade I was okay with, even if it meant no longer driving down dirt roads with cold beers in the center console. Here's the good news. Once I accepted that, I found that I didn't have to give up everything I enjoyed. I simply had to remove the alcohol from those activities, and to my surprise, I still enjoyed them. I still go camping, I still shoot pool, I bowl on a league on Monday nights, and I even get up and sing karaoke every once in a while. I'm still a little socially awkward at times, and asking out girls still isn't easy for me, but those things are improving, and I wouldn't trade getting that back, knowing it comes with returning to the person I used to be. Here's the thing about changing, though. We'll find that everybody embraces the new us, which will cause shifts in many of our relationships, which also can be extremely overwhelming. When I first got sober, 99% of the people I regularly socialized were people I drank with. Initially, I thought I would just have to get through the rough period where being around alcohol seemed impossible and those friendships would be able to resume. What I learned, though, is most of those relationships were developed during my addiction, and the big common thing that bonded us was drinking together. So once that was removed, there wasn't much left in some of those friendships. This is something I fought hard to hold on to. I didn't want to lose these friendships. I worried that they would think I was the guy that thought I was too good for them now that I no longer drank. I tried hard to hold on to many of them. Then I remembered what a counselor in my rehab told me about this period of my life. He said, if I simply stopped trying to hold on to them, I would find that these relationships would go on their course naturally. That although the beginning would seem rough, my old friends would also see that they don't have as big of a bond with the sober version of me. And that's exactly what happened. My drinking buddies simply became people I used to drink with, just like I became that to them. Like many relationships we have in life, they ran their course, and we went on our own separate paths. What happened in this process is I created room to start developing new relationships that match my new identity I was now growing into. 
I created deeper relationships that were based on core values and beliefs instead of just getting drunk together. So often in life, we don't have room for the things we want because we hold so tightly to parts of our past. I found this couldn't be more true than in this period of my life. But persevering through these uncomfortable and overwhelming times was the only path to where I am now. They're called growing pains for a reason. It could hurt at times. But on the other side of those struggles and challenges is the life you desire. So step out of that cabin and start the hike towards that plane that is going to take you somewhere warm and beautiful. I promise you that on the other side of that is someone you will be proud of, love, and admire. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm hoping you're enjoying my podcast. If you're finding it impactful, all I ask is that you please share it so it can help impact others. New episodes come out each Friday, so I look forward to connecting with you next week. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and keep living sober and happy.